This morning's scripture reading is found in Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, chapter 6, verses 18 through 24. You can find this passage in the Black Pew Bible on page 952, and you can also, it can be found in your worship bulletin on page 8. Before reading God's word, let us pray. Father, we're grateful for your word to us this morning as you have provided clear instruction that we are to be open to the leading of your Holy Spirit when it comes to our prayer life. We pray for Pastor Mike as he shares what the Holy Spirit has laid upon his heart this morning. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Hear the word of God, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 8 18 through 24. Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly, as I must speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus will tell you everything. He's a dear brother and a faithful minister in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. Peace be to the whole community and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all who have an undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. In case anyone wants a copy of the manuscript, voila Sylvia on your left, making her way through the congregation. You can get her attention if you want a copy of the manuscript. Dear friends of Jesus Christ, this is the last of a long series we've been going through on the book of Ephesians. This morning's passage doesn't really start where we started. It starts where we were last week. Last week, we talked about the spiritual resources that God provides so that we can stand in the spiritual battle that we're drawn into against enemies who are greater than we are. Paul calls this the whole armor of God. And verse 18 really just continues what Paul has been saying. Gird your waist with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Shod your feet with readiness. Take the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And now we pick up. Praying with all kinds of prayer and supplication at all moments in the Spirit, being vigilant in all perseverance and supplication for all God's holy people. That's kind of how it's supposed to flow and how it's supposed to sound. And you probably noticed all those alls in verse 18. All kinds of prayer at all moments with all perseverance for all God's holy people. Those are important because they show us what Paul wanted to emphasize and how much he wanted to emphasize it. Prayer 
is not just another piece of the armor of God, of the spiritual equipment. It's the key to using all the armor of God. It's the key to connecting ourselves to God's power. Remember how God starts this whole section of his letter, which we heard last week. Finally, be strong, be empowered in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And then that was verse 10, the very first verse of of this last section. And then verse 13, put on the whole armor of God so that you may have power to withstand and at the end of it all still be standing. We need God's power and we need God's wisdom and God's knowledge. We have enemies, as I said, that we can't even imagine. Paul tells us two things, though, about these enemies. He tells us that they're powerful, and he tells us that they're methodical, that they have a strength and a strategy beyond any human might or human method. That's why we have to pray in the Spirit. Listen to what Paul says in another one of his letters, in the book of Romans, chapter 8. Likewise, The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very same Spirit that God has given us intercedes with sighs too deep for words, and God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, and in Greek it really says intercedes with the saints according to the will of God. Paul names exactly the two problems that we have when we confront enemies, the enemies that we're up against, our inadequate power and our inadequate knowledge. Paul says the Spirit helps us in our what? Weakness. The Spirit brings a power that we don't possess. And Paul says that we don't even know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit searches our hearts. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, the Spirit even searches the depths of God and intercedes for us according to God's will. The Spirit has the knowledge and the wisdom that we don't possess. So our weakness doesn't really matter. We can fight and we can pray in the power of God's Spirit. I needed to make that point right at the beginning, because it kind of carries the whole section. And now, let me go through all four of those alls that I mentioned in verse 18. Praying in the Spirit with all kinds of prayer, at all moments, with all perseverance for all God's people. First of all, Paul tells us to pray with all kinds of prayer and supplication. Paul uses two words for prayer in this passage. One of those words, pros is very general. It, it can mean any kind of prayer at all. Any communication that's addressed to God. And that's how our passage translates it. Simply, prayer. Prayer has many forms. We have names for some of those forms. Praise. Thanksgiving. Prayer is confession of sin. Prayer is lament. And prayer is intercession. Asking for what you need. And asking for what other people need. Prayer is calling out for help. And that's the other word that Paul uses in this passage. The word deesis. This kind of prayer, deomai, actually means something more like to beg. Our translation uses the word supplication. But if you use the word begging, you would not be very far off from what deesis means. It doesn't mean we have to beg like... 
just keep on going on and on and on and on. Jesus warns us not to do that. But praying earnestly, asking for what we need, calling for help when you need it. Paul puts a special emphasis on that in this passage. This, this asking for what you need kind of prayer. And it, it makes sense since he's talking about spiritual warfare against powerful enemies. He's, he's acknowledging the serious circumstances that we're in. And if you didn't cry out for help, I mean, it's a little bit like being on a sinking ship and just saying, oh, oh God, would you please help us? And back to the dining room, back to the, back to the gambling lounge, right? No, you don't, you don't pray like that. The second thing Paul says is that we should pray at all times or on all occasions or at all moments. And why am I using these different words? It's, it's because Greek has two words that can be translated as time. One is the word chronos, and the other is the word kairos. How many of you have heard those two words before? Yeah, a lot of you have. I think this is kind of common knowledge. But chronos is time you can measure on a clock or a calendar or by the movement of the sun across the sky. It's passing time. Kairos is time measured mainly by the significance of what's going on. When we talk about the last hour, or the day of salvation, or the year of the Lord's favor, or the time we live in. That's Kairos time. It marks the significance of the moment. In this passage, Paul uses the word Kairos, not the word Kronos. He doesn't want us just to mark the passage of time and remember to pray regularly on schedule, though it's good if you do that. But Paul, what Paul's really saying is, be alert to those moments that are charged with spiritual significance and pray accordingly. Of course, if you think about it, every moment is charged with spiritual significance. Waking up in the morning is a moment that's charged with spiritual significance. It means that God has kept you alive through the night and you should at least say thanks be to God and has given you grace to serve Him for a new day. So you should ask for the wisdom and strength to serve Him on that day. You should pray accordingly with thanksgiving and with appropriate supplication. Deesis. When you fall into temptation, I'd say that's an occasion for deesis, for, for earnest prayer, asking for grace to endure. When you sin, ask God for mercy and forgiveness. We all know this, right? When tragedy befalls your community, either immediate tragedy like a flood or a shooting or long-term tragedy like climate change or systemic greed and racism and homelessness and things like that, these are occasions for lament and for earnest prayer. And if you spend any time at all reading the New Testament, you can feel that there is a particular kingdom of God urgency to the time we live in. Namely, the time between the first coming of Christ and His second coming. We don't know the day or the hour, but the King is coming. The chronos time that we live in, marked by seconds and minutes and years and centuries, is being eclipsed by the kairos moment of His coming. And I'm kind of leaning into Advent a little bit here, which starts next week. But, but this is... It's always Advent in some sense. This is why Paul tells us that we should remain vigilant, that we should pray with all perseverance in supplication for all the saints. Another way you could translate this is stay alert and devote yourselves completely to prayer. 
for all the saints. Paul doesn't mean that we should never sleep. Paul doesn't mean that we should necessarily spend every waking moment in earnest prayer. That's not always possible. I don't want to be driving down a freeway with people who are earnestly praying necessarily, right? Or, or seeing people operate machines. But he surely means that our prayer should not be negligent or lax. And that when the moment, when the kairos, when the occasion demands it, our prayer should be as persistent and as focused as the occasion demands. You know, if the ship is sinking, pray for deliverance. Whatever your needs are or the needs of someone else, pray for all the saints. We are usually very aware of our own needs, but it's not just my life and my circumstances and my needs that are in this picture. We're part of something greater and larger than our own lives and our own small circles of friends, our own small daily communities. Part of this passage I actually feel the most convicted about is that over the years, I would say I haven't been as diligent as I should have been in praying for others. It's not like I never do it, certainly, but in all honesty, my prayers have often been pretty self-centered. And I'll tell you a few things that have helped me with that. One of them has been taking over Geneva's prayer communication because now I'm responsible for it, for knowing what's going on, and I feel like a total hypocrite if I ask you to pray and I don't pray. So it's made me more intentional. But what's helped me the most is maintaining an actual list of people to pray for and things to pray about. I'm curious, how many of you do that? A few of you do. If it's at all a problem, I mean, if you feel the least bit convicted by this teaching about praying for all the saints and you think you should do it more, making a list that you go through over the course of a week is a great way to make yourself do that and bring benefits from your life to the lives of others. So that way people aren't just out of sight and out of mind. Another thing that helps me pray and that shapes my prayer is regular reading of God's Word in at least two ways. First of all, the Bible gives us great patterns of prayer. How do you know how to pray when you're depressed or when you're angry at God? I mean, we kind of feel like we're not supposed to be angry at God. But if you read the Psalms, you'll see that people are often angry at God. The Psalms give us appropriate ways to pray. The book of Psalms is a wealth of prayers that serve as examples for us to follow or actual words for us to use when we pray. How many of you, I'm curious, have memorized at least one psalm? Homework for those of you who didn't raise your hands, right? Reading Scripture, though, also gives me a sense of the scope and the scale and, and, and the strategy of God's work and God's plans and God's promises. It's like the total view of, of the whole battle to, to, to stick with that spiritual warfare imagery that sometimes you see in a, in a movie. You know, the, there's the, the command center with these uniformed cigar-smoking generals and there's this gigantic table with a map and little models of ships and tanks and soldiers and they're, they're pushing them around. You've, you've seen scenes like that, right? The, the strategic view of the whole thing. Well, the book of Ephesians that we've been studying has two great prayers that have this kind of strategic 
and panoramic vision. And since we're wrapping up Ephesians today, I'd just like to reprise these two prayers again because they're, they're two of the greatest prayers I've ever heard. Here's one from Ephesians 1, 17. I pray, says Paul, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power? There are those two words again, knowledge, the eyes of your heart enlightened, and power. And then there's this prayer from chapter 3. I pray that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened in your inner being with power through His Spirit, that, in, that, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. Paul prayed that way for his fellow believers. I hope we're praying that way for each others. And don't you think it says something? That Paul ended this letter and just carried on this thought by asking his sisters and brothers in Ephesus to pray for him, to pray for the work that God entrusted to him. Pray also for me that I may be given speech to proclaim the gospel. Paul thought prayer was important. And I'll just mention one more thing to wrap up this letter. At the end, there's this little bit of exchanging personal information so that you may also know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus will tell you everything. I'm sending Tychicus. He'll give you the news. He's a dear brother and a faithful minister in the Lord. And I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. That's not just an exchange of polite chit-chat to end the letter. Paul takes this mutual knowledge that we have in the body of Christ very seriously. We need to stay informed about what's going on with each other precisely so that we will know how to pray for each other, whether it's to give thanks and praise to God, as Paul often did. I thank God for you every time I make mention of you in my prayers. Or to pray for God's grace and mercy and peace, as, as Paul began almost every letter that he wrote. But that's how Paul lived. And the way he writes reflects that. That's, that's the way his heart beat, to pray for the grace of God to descend on his fellow believers and with gratitude for them, for the gift that they represent from God to Paul, the gift we represent from God to one another. So almost every letter of Paul begins with thanksgiving. I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. That's how Paul began his letter and here's how he ended it. Peace be to the whole community with love and with faith from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have an undying love for our Lord Jesus.
and I can only say amen. And can I ask you to do the same? Would you pray with me? It's good to give thanks to you, O Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to do that with music and song, for you have made us glad by your deeds, O Lord. That's one way we can pray using the words of the Psalms. But we want to pray with every word that's available to us and with all the helping power of the Holy Spirit within us and among us. We want our praises to befit your glory, O God. We want our minds to grasp who and what you are. We want our hearts to understand your love and to love you in return. We want our lives to reflect your glory and to bring glory to you. We want to walk in the good works that you prepared for us before the foundation of the world. We want to be imitators of God and live as children of the light. Lord, all of these ideas from the book of Ephesians are so true and so necessary. And we pray that more and more they would be true and necessary in our lives and in our life together until Jesus comes and then forever after. We pray these things in his name. Amen.